great. So I'm just going to share with you this morning. Uh, we're going to continue with our message from uh, our series on Ephesians. And I have the privilege to preach from Ephesians 1, from verse 27 to 30. So um, if, if we've got that up, Nick, thank you. So I want to just read to you those passages. If you have your Bibles with you, we're in Philippians chapter 1. And it goes like this from verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So just to give a very brief recap, in the beginning of this chapter, the first chapter of Philippians in the letter that Paul writes, he so wonderfully describes this amazing salvation that we have as Christians when we place our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And we can remember those poignant words from verse 6, which I'm sure you know well, and I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that so encouraging? God has started something amazing in your life when he saved you, and he's not going to leave it hanging. He's working continually this wonderful process of salvation in your life. So not only have we been saved by God's kindness towards us, but he sustains us in the salvation by working in us by his Holy Spirit to mature us to become more like his son, Jesus. Uh, those of you who were here last Sunday, we had Wayne and Renee Neuper who came and preached from Dresden, Germany. And Wayne preached about how the Holy Spirit nudges us and prompts us in our spirits to hear what God is saying to us, to, to say this is what the Lord is trying to catch our attention with. And our part is to listen and to respond in obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So what we see in this letter so far is that Paul has spoken about how God is at work in us. But now, in this next part, he wants to remind the Philippians that they also have a part to play in the outworking of their salvation. We are not passive in this wonderful salvation. Though we've got nothing to bring that warrants God saving us, we don't say, God, you know, you should save me because I've got quite a few good deeds under my belt, or I'm actually a really nice person or you should see uh, what gifted and talented person I am. Nothing that we have warrants God saving us. Nonetheless, once we are saved by his unmerited grace, we now work out this new life with intentionality and with grace-enabled effort. We, we partner with God. 
And so what I'd like to look at this morning is three things from this passage that Paul says are part of our response to the wonderful gospel that we've, been, that we've received. And I want to speak about three things. The first thing is consistency. The second thing is cooperation. And the third thing is confidence. Uh, Paul wants to see those three qualities grown and developed in the Philippian church. And the same is true for us. He wants us to grow in those things. So the first thing we want to look at is consistency. And we see this in the beginning of verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, so now I need a helper of a small person kind, someone who can read, who has better eyesight than mine in this dark light. Can I have volunteers? I see a little person over there. Is that Henry? Are you kind of not sure, Henry? Yeah, come, Henry. It's who else can... Who else can come? Yes, give Henry a cheer. Who else can help us? Bethan, are you at the back? Is that you, Bethan? Oh, there's Bethan. I was looking at Belle. Bethan, you come. You guys can help me. All right. Yeah, give them a cheer. Wonderful. Right. So, Nick, if we can go to the next slide. And up there, I have... What, are, what is that? Sweet harvest. Oh, sorry. Sweet harvest. Yes, and what does it say on the tin? What's in the tin? Can you read that? Beans. Beans. Do you see? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you guys to hold the tin, and I'm going to ask you some questions and see if you can, can give me some information. So can you tell me what kind of beans. Now, there's a very tricky word. Cannellini. Yes, cannellini beans. So, are they bellotti beans? No. Are they red kidney beans? No. Are they broad beans? No. Are they baked beans? No. No. Okay, so they definitely, it says cannellini beans. Right, and what does it say underneath there? What is... In water. Cannellini beans in water. Brilliant. And there's a little part there that tells us something about what you can... High in fiber. Very good. No added salt. Fantastic. And what does that say? One of your five a day. Wow. Highly recommended. That's fantastic. And even at the back, it tells you two ways you can cook. What are the two ways? Uh, You can microwave it. Saucepan. Yes, you could cook it on the stove. Well done, guys. Now, don't go away yet. I want to ask you some more questions. Because we have a little bit of a, a little problem I need you to solve. How do we know that what it says on the tin actually is cannelloni beans inside the tin? What would you do? How would you find out? Open it. You are so clever. Right. So I'm going to do this part because it's a little dangerous. Oh, yeah. I know how to open them. Okay. Right. Are you ready? Get a whip of beans. 
Right, now, there's a spoon over there. Spoon. Oh. Thank you, Ed. All right, do you like beans? No. Yeah. <laughs> Get them right away Right, ta-da, let's see. Are there cannellini beans? Yeah. Yeah, cannellini beans. So what is inside? Beans. So is the bean, the tin true? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Well done. Do you want the beans? Oh, okay. All right. Well done, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. I really like cannellini beans. I do this nice thing with sausages and tomatoes and onion and garlic. It's really nice. Um, so what is the point of this little illustration? How can cannellini beans help us understand more about this verse? I want to say it's a bit like this. If we say that we are cannellini beans on the outside, but when people open the tin, they get baked beans, then something's wrong. Isn't that what it's about? <laughs> If we say we're cannellini beans, then when people open the tin, they hopefully are going to experience delicious cannellini beans. In other words, the way that we live needs to be consistent with what we believe. Paul is saying that the things that we do and how we behave in our day-to-day -day lives is to be a stunning testimony to the amazing salvation that Jesus has won for us. Isn't that wonderful? When they see the testimony, cannellini bean Mario, and they open it, they see he tastes just like cannellini beans. We are a testimony of the gospel. Our lives are an overflow of the wonderful thing that God has done for us. You know, it is true that sometimes we do have a bad day and we get a little grumpy. I mean, everyone has days like that, let's be real. But what Paul is talking about is the overall quality and character of our lives in how we are towards other people, how we go about our work, uh, what we give our time and our energy to. Are these things done in a way that helps other people understand the gospel better? Does that make sense? When you're in your workplace, people don't know who Jesus is. They've never read the Bible. But when they meet you, are you a picture and a fragrance of what the gospel is all about? Is your life representative? Is it worthy of this wonderful gospel? The gospel is that God loved us before we could even do anything to earn that love. So finding some grace to love and be kind to other people when they don't even deserve it, that's living a life worthy of the gospel. I remember when I was in Hong Kong uh, many, many years ago, before I even had children, and uh, I did a silly thing. I went shopping. We were there on a ministry trip for six weeks, and I went shopping and bought some groceries, and uh, was, it was all quite new to me because you had to catch a cab um, and then go to the place where I was staying, and I spent all my money 
on the groceries and I had nothing left for a taxi. And I was in a, a city that I didn't know. I was all on my own. It was pre-mobile phones. It was just like one of those moments where you go, oh, I don't know what to do. And so I stood there with these shopping bags next to me and I saw this couple come past and they looked pleasant enough. So I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I, I know this sounds like a bit of a long story, but I don't have money for a taxi. And would you be able to help me? Well, they looked at me in such a disparaging, disdainful way. They looked me up and down and they thought, you chancer, you, you, you really are just trying to take a chance. You, you clearly have got money. You've just bought groceries. What is your story? And it was the most horrible feeling that I ever had when someone judged me and already had summed me up and thought I was just um, taking a chance with them. And you know what? That experience has really helped me when people are begging on the street or people are standing on the street because I, I don't always give money because I don't know if that's always wise, but I try and look them in the eye and give them dignity because no one wants to be standing on the street begging. No one wants to be asking someone else for a, for a bread or a piece of bread. And so how we treat people is a wonderful way of saying, I see you, I notice you, I want to give you dignity even in this broken place that you are in. That, that was something of my experience. So I don't know, it's always a, a hard thing knowing whether you buy uh, someone food or whether you give them money we can all at least be kind and treat someone in a way that looks them in the eye and smiles and says, how are you today? It's an amazing thing we could do. We can try and live a life worthy of the gospel. I want to talk about another thing which I find very interesting in the news. It's such a tragic thing about the, um, uh, the gun attack on the synagogue in, in Pittsburgh this past week. Very, very sad and the rise in anti-Semitism that is gaining such a momentum in this nation and in different parts of the world. And I was really struck by a um, news little clip related to that, which said that um, the Muslim community in Pittsburgh, through crowdfunding, had raised $150,000 uh, towards supporting the victims of that. And I just thought, what a wonderful gesture where there's been animosity between the Muslim and the Jewish communities. And here they, they were able to come and say, we want to be kind and we want to sow towards in your, in your tragedy. And uh, I just thought, wouldn't it be wonderful also if we as the church could respond to those who are different to us with a generosity and a warmth that says that we love you even in your struggle, in your trial, whatever you might, might be going through. And in a world of anti-Semitic rhetoric, rhetoric I, wa I want to ask, are we as Christians living a life worthy of the gospel? I, I love watching all those World War II movies and seeing the valor and the courage of those who, who stand up for the oppressed. Um, but we are facing a time in our generation where we, we're going to have to do the same. Are we going to stand firm and not allow um, bigotry and prejudice to define how we react, react to people? We have to confront those things in ourselves. Are we going to live a life worthy of the gospel? Are we going to be a picture to others of what Christ would be in that situation?
Another thing that the gospel is about is it's about being free from legalism and not being bound up by lots of do's and don'ts. But instead, it's about listening to the voice of the Spirit. And as Michael Eaton has so wonderfully taught us many times, when we follow the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit deliberately, we fulfill the law accidentally. We listen to His voice and He leads us into all that God has for us. You see, we don't, when we don't understand God's grace for our own lives, we won't understand how to extend that to others. And we'll be constantly measuring everyone by our standards. How do I know when I'm being legalistic? I get easily offended. I become critical and unkind and impatient. I find it hard to forgive. I have expectations of others that I don't hold for myself. But the Bible says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. We need to confront those parts of us that don't allow others to experience the gospel because maybe we haven't really understood it for ourselves. We are to be consistent with what we believe and, and, what we, and how we live. And then Paul goes on and he says, so whether I come to see you or am absent, you see, this Christian life of living a life worthy is not just when people are looking. It's not just for Sundays. We're not Sunday Christians, as you know. But it's that kind of living worthy in the private place when we're at home with our families. Um, it's in our work and what we look at on our computer screens or on TV. Does it honor Jesus and all that he has done for us? You see, Paul is deeply concerned that the Philippians had an authentic faith that was worked out in an authentic way. Isn't that the same for us? We want to be true cannellini beans. What is on the outside must be true what's on the inside. So I was thinking but some things that could be really be helpful. How do we make sure that we are being consistent and authentic as Christians? So here's some suge suggestions. These are things that I have to work on in my life, and I thought maybe they might be helpful for you. But make sure that we really do understand this amazing gospel of grace and the freedom that he's given us, and we aren't living under some false gospel of performing and striving. It's so easy, guys. It's so easy to slip back into performance, so easy to start striving under some rules with the, in your own head or some other person's expectations. Keep yourself free in the grace of God. That's how you live a life worthy of the gospel. And the second thing I want to say is trust God, that he really does love you and that he's watching over you so that you can live in a way that is surrendered to him. You know, it's very hard to surrender your life if you don't really think that he loves you, uh, if you don't really trust him. And you, what you'll start doing is just blocking him out. You'll just start guarding different parts of your life from God. But as we yield our lives to him, we'll start to live a life that's a picture to others of the gospel. And the third thing I want to say 
is keep your heart soft to the Holy Spirit. Listen to him when he shows things that need to change or things that he wants you to find courage and love to help others. Uh, Sometimes those things are the things we kind of just bat off and say, not now, God. It's very inconvenient. When we start to listen to him, we will start to be a picture of the gospel. And the last thing I would say is be kind. Be kind. Everyone has a story that we know nothing of. You know, even in church community, we get to know each other. And we get to know each other little by little and bit by bit. But there's things in our lives, or stories, backstories that we know nothing about. So let's be kind to one another and help one another on this journey. So that's the first thing. Let's be consistent, Paul is saying, as we live this Christian life. Does that make sense? Okay. And then the second thing Paul says is cooperation. And we read this in the next part of verse 27 where it says... I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Okay, so um, Nick, have you got my little video clip? I hope it's going to play. Whenever you do think, oh, that's good. Is the sound up? It doesn't matter too much. I love those little clips. They uh, just tell us a bit of about working together as a team. I love the Minions, they're my favorite <laughs> Minion movie. And the, and the crabs. <laughs> but uh, we, we need each other, don't we? We can't do this life on our own. We can't uh, get things done if we do things on our own. And you know, every single person here has wonderful gifts and talents, but those gifts find their wonderful blaze of glory when they're with others and they find their, their place. Um, and we live in quite an individualistic society where everyone is encouraged to look out for yourself, look out for your family. But the overarching theme of Scripture when it deals with, when it comes to dressing with the people of God is one of community and togetherness. And when it speaks about in those verses in 27 that I may hear of you, it's, it's speaking about that pronoun in the plural, all of you, um, the, the, the Bible always speaks about together, the, the whole group together. Together, we are stronger. Together, we are more effective. Together, we are more resilient. And Paul tells us that teamwork and togetherness looks like something wonderful when it works out in the church. And so I want to just point out three things that this cooperation and this teamwork looks like when we are together in the church. And the first thing is that it is for the faith of the gospel, as he says in those verses towards the end, for the faith of the gospel. You see, in the church, we're to be united around a common call and a vision, which is the faith of the gospel. The gospel begins with faith, and it asks for more faith, persistent faith through every trial and struggle. It also proclaims that faith in Jesus is the starting point of salvation. This gospel is about having faith. It's about putting your trust in God. And we are to be united in making sure that we live and walk by faith. You know, 
there's so many people who would oppose the gospel and say that it's Jesus plus a whole lot of other things. Do this, do that, think that, believe that, understand this philosophy, and then you'll work it out. But the, the, the gospel is very simple. It's about having faith in a faithful God. And that's what we are to be united around. That's what we are to contend with. And that's what we are to stand firm with. We, we need to be united when things are tough, to hold on to the faith of the gospel and not give in to doubt and skepticism. The world around us will cause you to doubt. It will cause you to become skeptical of this amazing thing that Jesus has done. But we are called to stand firm in the faith of the gospel. For this, we need to stand together and encourage each other to keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Paul was passionate about this. You know, so often we can say we need to be centered around many different things. But it's very simple, this message of the gospel. The thing that is precious is faith in God, faith in our faithful Savior. And the second thing is that it says we are to stand firm in one spirit with one mind. Although we are many, we are one because of the death and resurrection of Christ. Our unity has already been purchased. It is a fact. We are one. When we believe in Christ, we are already one. But we need to persevere and intentionally live this out by having the same attitudes and perspectives which come from having faith, the faith of the gospel. That unites us. Because when you're going through a hard time and someone says, but I know God is faithful. I've seen him do that in my life. There comes a unity around that faithfulness of God and having faith in him. There are always things in church life of preference, of style, of personality, and that expresses the diversity of us. We're all diverse people who make up the church. But in the end, the issues of faith in Jesus and the sufficiency of the cross for our lives and for our salvation, in this we are to be united and unmoved on faith of the gospel. And the third thing, it is striving side by side. Paul really did understand that the Christian life is not easy. There is a struggle, there is a striving, and there is a persevering that we all have to go through in different ways. But it is better if we do it side by side. It's better if we do it side by side. It's better to have a whole lot of minions around you than just one minion on your own. Okay, it's much better. That's why our vision, which I love, thank you, Jeff, for mentioning our vision there uh, so wonderfully. Our vision at Forest Town is to be rooted in Christ, to be planted in a family, and to be fruitful in our lives. And you see, when we understand what it is to know Christ, we need to be part of a family to work that out. We need to be side by side, standing with one another, one in heart, one in mind. So I really want to encourage you, join a life group, find a team to be part of, go and play football on, on a Tuesday if that's a connecting point for you. And we need to pray for dear old Brian. Uh, he was playing football on Tuesday and I believe he broke his ankle and had surgery on Wednesday, so not great. Hey? So please think of him in your prayers. Um, so maybe with the football 
just be wise. <laughs> if that's your thing, just go, don't go in too hard, I think. Um, but find some way that you can connect at Forest Town. Come to Sunday Night Cafe. Come and be part of the Going Deeper, whatever it might be for you. We need to do this side by side. And then the last thing I want to say before I end is that we need confidence. And we see this in the last verse. It says, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The Christian is not to be afraid. God does not like it when we have any kind of fear other than the fear of losing his approval. And the Philippian Christians were under pressure to abandon their faith and to live like the pagans around them in how they thought and behaved. When the world rises up in hostility towards God's people and God's people stand firm, it intensifies the difference between them. And one of the differences that becomes evident is that this is a salvation not based on human philosophy and effort, but it is something that is divine and from the kindness of God. So when Paul says, take a stand on your faith in Jesus and put your trust in God's grace, he says, you can be sure you're going to face opposition. It's guaranteed. Why? Because most of society is built on the achievements of man, on being self-satisfied, on seeking your own status and glory. And the subtleties of thought and expression of that has changed a little bit over the centuries. But in the end, putting your hope and your trust in God has never been a popular idea. What does this look like for you and me? It means praying for others even when they mock you. It means speaking kindly to those who reject you. It means keeping your heart free when others judge you for believing in God. It means holding on to God's faithfulness when you're going through a real storm in your life. Paul told the believers not to be frightened off, but to stand their ground, not in an arrogant and offensive way, but in a way worthy of the gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to just summarize those three things. How are we to live this Christian life? The first thing is let's be consistent and authentic inwardly, pointing people to the gospel. How is my life and my choices a picture of the gospel to others, a life worthy of the gospel? Secondly, cooperating and standing alongside our brothers and sisters. Let nothing diminish your faith in Jesus, for it will be richly rewarded. And let's encourage one another to stand firm and not give up hope. And we, do this, we can't do this alone. And the last thing is we are to be confident and unsurprised in the face of opposition that we know we're going to have because we know in whom we believe and we know that he is faithful. We are not of those who shrink back, as Paul says. God is using your life and God is using my life as a message of hope and a picture to others 
that it is only by faith in the kindness of God that we are saved. So live a life worthy of that wonderful message of the gospel. Does that encourage you this morning? Okay, I believe in you guys. I know this church, I know you live lives worthy of the gospel. So carry on doing that. Don't grow weary in doing good. You are doing a good job, people. So let's be a picture to, to others of this wonderful message of faith. Okay.